37th chapter of Ezekiel. While you're turning there, I would like to say this. My wife and I, and my wife pushes it more than I do, uh, we think highly of song tapes and praise tapes, and she's found a place that you can get them, and she has already got some orders, and if you're interested in those, uh, they really do something for you during your day. I mean, if you have a tape recorder, or if you've got one in your car or something, uh, a lot of them are scripture songs, and some of them are just praise songs, but they make your day for you. They, they keep your mind in contact with the Lord. And anyway, on my desk is something that she's made out, and if you need, if you want one of those, just sign your name and leave the money for the order. Everything is explained there, and that way she can send it off. It, it doesn't make us a dime, by the way, so it's just for you, and I, I think you will enjoy it. We push it strongly because we found it makes a difference in a home in a home life and individuals instead of going in and turning on your favorite television program sometimes just go in and turn on a tape recorder and listen to praise songs and listen to scripture songs and enjoy the blessings of the lord that way we appreciate our visitors tonight god bless you for coming and worshiping the lord with us appreciate the home folk and i'm not sure tonight exactly whether i'm going to have hay or whether i'm going to have grain but i don't want you honking back at me Amen. I want you to go home and be satisfied with what you've got. Praise the Lord. I'd like to read to you tonight in your hearing a small portion of a very familiar scripture that's been used and misused often and try to give to you what God has given to me from that. 37th chapter of Ezekiel simply says, The hand of the Lord was upon me carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise. Behold, is shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. When I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh come upon them, and the skin covered them above. There was no breath, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon those, breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Heavenly Father, we're thankful tonight for your already visitation. We're thankful for your precious spirit. For that, O oh God, which comes in times of need, times of trouble, and times of distress, we're thankful for that. 
Now, Father, we ask you tonight to breathe upon your word, make it become alive. Breathe upon your servant, Father, and let this mouth form words, and this voice give, give a, a voice to words that you would desire. Father, and let it fall upon ears that would hear, on hearts that would try to understand the soul that would cry out. Father, that we might be enriched by your preciousness and by your word. Breathe upon us, Father, we pray tonight, and give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Of course, the near reference to this, as everyone knows, he's Ezekiel is a prophet to Israel. Now he's speaking primarily to Israel, and the bones, of course, is the whole house of Israel. And talks about the graves of the nations where Israel is, and it talks about bringing the people out and then bringing them in and their conversion, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But I feel like there's probably something in there. And you know me, I'm never satisfied with leaving a scripture lay in the dust of the senses of yesteryear. I can claim that's all there is for it. There's something about every scripture that should be pertinent for us today. It was written that way. It's a complex book. And it was written for that day as well as all the days down through the ages of time. And it's written, I think, especially, we can extract a meaning from this for your day and mine, especially as the church age comes close to an end. It was fascinating as you search this out. These bones had actually been an army or a troop at one time. One of the elite troops of Israel, and they had fallen in a battle many, many years before that. And they were probably some of the best soldiers that had been in the nation of Israel. And you look at that as they lay there, and they were all, according to Jewish history, this army had been completely isolated from the whole rest of their, uh, of their army, and they were completely surrounded and destroyed. And when you look at that, it brings up a very pertinent question as to why is this army, which was so elite, destroyed by inferior soldiers? And then according to Jewish history, these people were ambushed. They were ambushed because they had quit battle for the day. They had put the other country on the run. And they had pitched their tent. And they would made ready for the night. And they set their watchmen. By the way, if I'm going to title this message, it would simply be Dogs That Cannot Bark. Dogs That Cannot Bark. And they had made ready for the night after putting the enemy to flight, and they set a watchman. And this watchman failed to give warning. He failed to cry out. He failed to see. And you wonder sometimes why would a watchman do that, and there's very, a lot of reasons why this would happen, but I want to read you, if I can find it, what Isaiah says concerning the watchmen of Israel in his day. He says, his watchmen are blind, they're all ignorant, they're all dumb dogs, they cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber, yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough, they are shepherds that cannot understand, 
They all look to their own way, everyone to their own, to his gain, from his quarter. And of course, Isaiah was comparing that to the leaders of the nation of Israel that day, but it's very pertinent to the scripture that I just read to you. Because of the failure of the watchman, an elite army of Israel lie destroyed. Hundreds of years before, we have to look at the scene, and God takes Ezekiel there and makes him look upon this once mighty army. He makes him see exactly what it is because he's going to teach Ezekiel a lesson. And from the reading of that, I think he wants to teach us a lesson tonight. He comes and sets him down in the midst of that valley where these bones that never bothered to bury this truth didn't have time. They'd left them there. And their flesh began to rot away from their bones and animals and birds and fowls in the air begin to pluck away at the muscles and sinews and skin. Till finally there was nothing left but bones. Not only the bones was left, even where they were placed. One bone was carried here and one bone was carried there. And the Bible says he carried Ezekiel out and caused him to look there in that army, in where that army was in the valley that was full of bones. And Ezekiel saw it this way, said there's a lot of them in that open valley and they are very dry. Not just dry, they are very dry. And then the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel, and he simply says, Son of man, can these bones live? In other words, he's saying, can this army, which was one time one of the most elite of Israel, can it be revived and can it live again? Now, I want you to look at that in the context, the way we want to take it tonight. What a place to put a preacher. Amen? I've been in a few places like that. Amen, Brother <laughs> I've been in a few places like that where you just simply look out and it's a valley of dry bones, something that used to be alive, something that used to be vibrant. Something that used to win souls at the snap of the finger at the prayer and cry to God. Something that used to be a city or a light set on the hill. Finally, for some reason or other, had got ambushed. Because somewhere down the line, I'm going to get on his preachers now, somewhere down the line, the watchman wasn't on his toes. Somewhere down the line, he couldn't bark. Now, if you get tired of my bark and you just remember there are dogs that don't bark, and you could get yourself into a lot of trouble if you got a dog that don't bark to show you the warning and show you where, we're, where you're at. And these soldiers were taking a much-needed rest when there are times when we need a rest. There are times when we become weary, heart, heart a foot sore and heart weary. And they're taking a much-needed rest, but they were depending upon the watchman that they set there to warn them should any danger arrive and call out to them, and this watchman failed to bark. This watchman failed to sound the alarm, and because of that, this once mighty army was ambushed and destroyed. 
not because it was weaker and inferior to the other one, but because somebody failed somewhere in their duty to cry aloud and spare not and lift up the voice like a trumpet and show the people their sins. And there is a need today for a sound of a trumpet to sound out in the midst of a church world and call out and stand out and lift up our voice and cry to individuals and let them know that there's danger surrounding us. There's danger everywhere. The enemy is on the loose and he's howling and he's raging and he's trying to destroy unstable souls. And there's a mighty army as far as the church is concerned, that lie reaching in the sun of tribulation and toils because somewhere, somehow, somebody didn't feel their post of duty. Can you say amen? Ezekiel was placed in that place. I think he knew where he was at. I think of history records it. Ezekiel was living there. I think he knew where he was at. I think, he knew, I think he knew what had transpired before, but yet he looked there, and what he saw was a scattered, dislocated remnant of what one time was once mighty and powerful, and God lets him see that and sets him in the midst of it and then asks him a very stupid question. He simply says, Ezekiel, what do you think about that? What do you think about that army one time that's won a lot of battles for me? What do you think about that army that was probably the most superior one there was? What do you think about that as you view them now? Can those bones live? I don't know what Ezekiel was thinking. I'm just trying to place myself in the place of Ezekiel. I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was probably thinking as I would, as far as I'm concerned, God, I don't see any way. I don't see any way where they can ever be what they was, was one time before. And let me stop here long enough to say, I look out over the church world, it's divided, it's being devoured, it's dislocated and disjointed. At one time the mighty power of God moved without reservation. The Holy Ghost of God set upon individuals, and individuals were filled with something supernatural something greater than they themselves. And miracles upon every hand was there. And it was vibrant. It was alive. Hallelujah. It was walking through the land, winning one war after another. And then somewhere down the line, watchmen failed to cry out in the night. The powers of hell came. This church has been ambushed. I'm talking about God's church as a whole, as a unit. It has been ambushed. It probably was superior, more superior than all the powers of hell gathered together that they were taking their rest and somewhere, somehow, that dog didn't bark. They had the wrong leadership. They had greedy individuals that were concerned about their own life and concerned about their own welfare and concerned about their own being. And then when the powers of the enemy that they one time chased came in and obliterated and destroyed them and left them there with their bodies rotting and their bones was bleaching in the sun. Then that's God's church. I don't know whether you want to go along with that or not, but that's God's body. That's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ as a whole. It doesn't have what it used to have. 
powers of hell has robbed it, defeated it, why waste? And the vermin and the varmints has come and chewed off the flesh and destroyed the muscles. And it lies there in the midst of tribulation and a hot sun of trials. And it's bleaching the sun. Yes, it is. One part of the body don't even know where it belongs. Amen, Brother Hoskell. It's so divided that it stinks. It's so divided when you look at it. As a world as a whole and the body of Christ as a whole. When you look at that, and God is asking the same question out of every God-called minister there is in the pulpit today. And he's saying, can that church live again like at one time lived? And when you see it with these eyes, it's natural. Like Ezekiel saw, knowing what it was, I'm not that old and I'm not that young either. Have seen and known what it was. Oh yes, there's a lot of things that was probably emotional and done in the flesh. That there was a lot of power there also. There was something friend that got a hold of individuals and pride went out the window as they was under the inspiration of the power and the spirit of God. And the demons in hell trembled as they ran from them. And they took city after city and land after land and soul after soul. And then came the time of rest and relaxation. And that's good, and God has always given that. And he set in charge, watchman. That watchman was supposed to cry. That watchdog was supposed to bark. And yet it could not. It could not bark because it did not see the danger. Amen. And they're still filling the pulpits and still black back slapping and still scratching and still trying to tickle ears and please man. Amen. They're still trying to do that and cannot mark the impending danger that is setting there ready to devour and ready to destroy. And God is setting mankind. I want to be there. He does I want to be there. I don't want to be set aside and say, you're useless to me in this program. There is a program of restoration. And God looked at Ezekiel and set him there right in the midst of them and said, Ezekiel, you think that can ever be an army again? Paraphrasing it. And he's got individuals that he's called. Not individuals that's been sent to the seminaries. Not individuals, and I'm not against education. Get as much as you can. It'll be of value to you. But any time you start putting that before God, you're going to lose out. He's not calling individuals from seminaries, individuals from colleges with great long words that nobody understands. And he's looking for individuals that's been on the backside of the desert, that's got their knees bent to him and their ears bent for the danger. As he cries aloud to individuals, and says, there's danger there. Fortify yourself. There isn't any doubt in my mind that the living church of God is more than a match for any power of hell. If you can arouse it from its slumber and let it know that danger is there in its imminent, it can arise and it can and will defeat almost any power of hell. And Ezekiel looked at them and he knew better than to say God can't do it. He knew better than that. And he just said, Lord... You know. In other words, what he's saying is, God, 
if it's ever going to be any way like it used to be, that is powerful and deliver the way it used to deliver, you're the only one that knows whether it can or not. I don't know. And when he asked the question, can God's church ever be what it's supposed to be? I'm not asking us to go back. There's no way that we can go back into the ages that's past. I'm not asking us to do that, and neither is God. God is asking us to put on the whole armor of God and go forward and get that which is ours for today. And we live far beneath our privileges, saints. Far beneath our privileges. Simply because our captors, our destroyers, are out there and God's people in God's church has been sorely divided, sorely dislocated, sorely disjointed until where there should be unity, there is division. Where there should be agreement, there is disagreement. And the powers of hell has waylaid it and lie it there. And God is asking, God called ministers. I said a church in this world, the powers of hell has nibbled away in this life nibble away at its being and it lied there bleaching in the sun and as Ezekiel said her bones were very dry very dry you say why is the church dry why are the bones bleaching in the sun well I think Jeremiah had an answer to that when he said for my people have committed to evil my people have committed to evil God only asks one thing of us. No more than he's asked all down through the ages of time. He has only asked us to drink the waters that come from the rock which is refreshing. And then he says, they have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, a fountain of living water. I don't believe people just automatically forsake him for no reason. Amen. I think there's a leadership that fails to bark. I'm not saying that some of them is not going to go out anyway, that there's honest-hearted souls that's been ambushed, friend, because the leaders fail to cry out and fail to bark and fail to show us our sins and our transgressions. And let us sit in the soothsaying surf of our own iniquity. Let us build our own life around our own selfishness. And let us claim the power of God and demonstrate no part of it. And let us claim love and don't even know what it is and how it exists. And yet for membership, and yet for somebody to look up to them, they had surrendered their posts, allowed the powers of hell to come in, and the garments to come in, and the flesh-eating buzzards to come in, and pick the place from the bones of God's people. Amen. And God's church, in a sense, is compared to what God wants it. His lying, bleaching, its bones exposed, and not even the skeletal parts of it is together. Dogs and wolves and jackals have carried this bone here, and this bone there, and this bone someplace else. In other words, little foxes have spoiled the vine. And it wasn't enough that the fowls of the air could pick clean the place of God's people. That wasn't enough. That jackals and wolves, all of this then comes and carries the skeletal part of it away 
until it doesn't even look like it's ever been a body, had it's ever been an army. And Ezekiel was faced with that, and he said, God, you know. You're the only one that knows. And then God said something to him, I think that shatters our imagination, that pierces my ears even today, as we look out sometimes over hopeless situations. Our eyes feast upon that which as far as humanity is concerned is hopeless. And God tells Ezekiel to close your eyes to what it looks like. Close your eyes to the impossibilities. I give you one charge and one charge alone. All I ask you to do is preach to those bones. Preach to those bones. If you'll preach, there's something about them that they're going to hear what you've got to say. If they are the waylaid body of Christ, they're going to know some way or somehow, even though they're not connected, they're going to hear what you have to say. I'm sure Ezekiel must have paused. Like a lot of individuals, like many of us do today, as we survey the church as a whole, and wonder of what value is it to preach to a mess of bones that don't even know what part of the skeleton they belong to. They're scattered one here, and one there, and one someplace else. What a disorganized mess to be called the body of Christ. Can you say, man, what a disorganized mess it is. And Jesus is coming soon. And the church needs to be alive. And yet it remains bleached. Powers of hell, sunshine, have hell shining down upon us. No efforts make their way into the house of God. Destitute of any spirit. Destitute of any power. Come and stand brazen and tall and altar. Never shed a tear, never repent. Then made a church member and sat in a pew. Bleaching in the sun. Don't even know what life's all about. Church allows us filled with individuals because the dog didn't bark. Because there wasn't a sound made about it. Because the soul was not challenged. There may be some of us that's under the sound of my voice tonight. Has never felt the tingle of the Holy Spirit since you received it. Has never had an urge to search out the, the power of God in our lives or in the Bible. Have been completely satisfied with just our little thing that we played with. And God has allowed us to do that. Haven't been touched by His divinity in a long time. And satisfied to have it that way. Amen. I didn't say there was, I said there could be. And you know how long it's been since divinity has really touched your life. You know how long it's been since God's Word has really dug you up and convicted you and made you realize there was something wrong with you and a change needed to be made. You know that. Some might have gone so far that the Word of God rolls off just like water on a duck. God's army bleaching in the sun. Ezekiel saw it. What a tragic end for a mighty army. Seemingly through no fault of their own. Can a just God leave them there? Can a just God look at that and realize the fault does not rely upon them? Of course, they were cautioned to follow the leadership and cautioned to listen to what it had to say. Yet at last, 
destitute, dead, bleaching. God says, Ezekiel, in all my justice, I can't allow that to stay that way. Preach to it. Preach to it. Friend, listen, there's never been a time that God's word has not been important. And certainly there's still that time when it is very important in our life. Probably the one of the most important parts of our service is God's word to preach and align our hearts with him. Not to say that testimonies isn't important. I get inspired by them. You'll notice me writing sometimes. I get things I could use in a sermon from your testimonies, and I write them down. That's not to say song service is not important. It is. And all of it in the Old Testament led up to the reading of the scrolls and hadn't changed. It all leads up to the teaching of God's Word. Ezekiel could have closed his eyes, closed his book, and went home. But Ezekiel was fully aware that it had been somebody in his position before that had put these individuals where they're at. Amen. It's not a good cross to bear. It's not an easy one to bear. It's not an easy one to outlive, knowing you're called into a God-called profession. You do your God-level best to do it the way God tells you to do it. And yet every day you rub shoulders with individuals that could care less what happens to their parish or their people. Give them what they want, they say, or they leave. Oh God, somewhere inside of me there's something that screams out and says God's people always wanted the truth and God's people still want the truth. It may not feel good to us, it may not tickle our fancy at the time, but then if we're hearing what God says, it's saying something to us. God is preaching to us. He's telling the world, and I'm going to resurrect this thing, and it's going to be greater than it's ever been before. In other words, he's looking the devil in the face, and pardon my English, and he's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. I don't believe the world's seen anything yet in comparison to what lies in wait for us. Order of agenda, whether you want to believe it or not, is to replace the barkless dogs by them that can make a sound. To fill every pulpit of God's chosen people. To call sin, sin, and unrighteousness, unrighteousness and rid the pulpit and the churches of individuals that cannot bark or cannot cry. You can't even see the danger if it was to be there, and if they did, couldn't bark. So filled with their own greediness, own lust and their own flesh. And if I don't get what I want, I'll pack my other handkerchief and bye-bye to you. And listen when God calls. I said, when God calls like he did Ezekiel, and Ezekiel saw a member of his profession calls these things to do, it's just what he says. And if he says, preach, then we preach. And Ezekiel began to preach. The Bible says, so I prophesied, let's preach, as I was commanded. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't say he liked it. He didn't say he understood it. He didn't say he knew what was happening. He just said, as I was commanded. In other words, all God told him to do was preach. 
God never told him to save a soul. God never told him to fill one with the Holy Ghost. He just said, you preach. And if you preach, I'll do the rest of it. Hallelujah. If you preach, the rest of it's up to me. And there was the response. The Bible says the minute he opened his mouth and he began to preach, there was a noise. I like noises, don't you? Hallelujah. I like stirring of the Holy Spirit of God. I like the limbs to move, eyes to move, and mouths to move. It demonstrates something. Blessed be the name of the Lord God of Israel. Hallelujah. And he said, and I prophesied, and there was a noise. And then he said, there was a great shaking. You know, the Bible says that he's going to shake everything that is shakable until only that which is unshakable shall remain. And then he said, there was a great noise, and then a great shaking in the land. And he said, as I do that, I watched those lifeless bleach bones under the anointed preaching of the prophet Ezekiel, as he began to prophesy, he saw those bones begin to find their place one with another. There wasn't any mistake there. It was God divine and God's order. And they moved and they were supposed to move across the inspiration of something greater than they. And that which the devil thought he had dried out and killed was coming to life again. And how he must have trembled. Because there was something supernatural going on here. Something beyond human capacity. And his eyes and mind to conceive and know. They begin to find their place. What an eerie sight. As these bones that had laid there all that time. Been in the mouths of dogs and wolves. And what have you? False prophets. Picking this one up and putting it over here. Amen. Saying you belong here. Nibbling what's left of life. Her flesh off of that. And discarding it over here. Because they can't get any more of it. It's useless. Taking everything from it. So they leave it there. And God. Through the anointed preaching of Ezekiel. Causes those bones to start finding their way to the very skeleton they were hooked to in the first place. Miracle of miracles. Hallelujah, friend. That's Ezekiel's boneyard. But I'm talking about something that's fresher and newer to us and more pertinent and closer to us. I'm talking about God's church. If God can get a voice, if God can get a dog that'll bark, if God can get a prophet that'll cry and somebody look out over and preach, God's going to bring his body together. They're going to find their place and then it's going to do what God said it was supposed to do. And once the bones found their place, Ezekiel could have stopped and said, Man, look what I did. I got all those bones together. <laughs> and that's fine under his preaching, but he realized those were just skeletons. That's all that was. They had just made an attempt, and they've come together. And there they are, a great army. And he went ahead and preached. And then sinews and flesh come upon them. The Bible says, and then 
flesh covered them over. You see, still preaching. Still getting that body together. And once it's together, that's not all there is to it. There has to be feeding. There has to be muscles that, that have been completely gone. Sinews and weakness. It has to be restored. Then skin has to turn. It's been picked off with the vultures. You've got spiritual vultures. Fire from one place to another. Picking the skin, picking the life out of God's people. Caring little about them, have no love whatsoever about them, just five by nights here or there, and someplace else, greedy, can't bark, have no sound to them whatsoever, dogs that cannot bark. And then there it was. Real nice, healthy looking man. He'd laid there for a long time. One of the greatest elite of Israel. Now he was back together. And Ezekiel said, My, that's good. That's good. And it was. And he could have done like a lot of people. You look good. Let's just leave you that way. But Ezekiel saw something was missing. He said, They look good. But they're not alive. There's no breath in them. Hallelujah. There's no breath in them. And he continued to preach them. The Bible says he told them to prophesy to the winds. Prophesy and cause breath to come in these that have been slain. In other words, a renewal of what they one time was to live. And the Bible says and he preached. And breath came upon them. And they live. But that's not all they did. The Bible says they stood on their feet. <laughs> An exceeding great army. Just like it used to be. Restored whole and miracle stands there. God's church. Restoration of it. He can get a voice. And get an ear of individuals to hear. We won't bleach in this sunlight very much longer. Amen. We won't lie bleaching there while the powers of hell uh, take what they want. It's coming a day when there's going to be one of the greatest separations that you ever saw. There's going to be fly-by-night individuals who fancy themselves to be the prophets of God. That's going to be taking a back seat from those that come back out of the backside of the desert and begin to cry out to God. And saints that lived in luxury have no commitment to God is going to be placed off someplace by themselves because they refuse life and refuse where they're going to go, a great army. Isaiah, 21st chapter, says as a voice cries out, come from God's people. Say there's a need to know. This voice says, watchmen, what are the night? Watchmen, what are the night? Now in case you're interested, the watchman was no better than anybody else. 
He didn't have any more Holy Ghost than anybody else had. God expected no more out of him than he expected out of anybody else. His only advantage was that he's placed in a special place, higher where he could see, and it was his responsibility. And when a city goes to sleep at night in his rest, somebody occupies the place there, the watchtower. Every city had one. Back in those days, every city had one. As the city lay down to rest and sleep, they expected that watchman to be where he's supposed to be, with his eyes wide open, in case some raiders or destroyers was to come. He could alert the army and alert the city. The man was no different. His position was different, and that was all. But it was his responsibility. People cried, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? I think there's a voice going out. From individuals that actually care, that's crying out, saying, Watchman, what in the night? Watchman, what in the night? In other words, what do we see out there? What's coming? Is there anything? There's any danger? And then the sound of a watchman that can bark. A watchman is fulfilling his place. The answer and the cry comes, the morning come, and also the night. If you will inquire and cry, you return and come. In other words, this true watchman, standing and filling his place, was saying, all right, it's all right if you want to inquire. It's all right if you want to ask. It's all right if you want to come. I've got the answer for you. And the rendition of this is simply this. The watchman is saying it's night now. It's gloomy. It's dark out there. The shadows are falling. I can't see very far. There's a lot of evil that surrounds. And there's a lot of darkness. The most fearful time in this world is almost the midnight hour. Everything is quiet. And if there is any booger men, that's when they're going to be. Amen. And darkness is a serious time. And they're inquiring. And the watchman says, it's all right. You don't have to be afraid to inquire me of the night. I'm not isolated up there someplace where I can't hear you. I won't tell you to go back to bed and go back to sleep. In other words, he's saying, it's all right. It's my duty. If you want to know what about the dangers, come on and inquire of me. Because this individual was not afraid. He had his job down where he was supposed to have it, and he would have the answers. A lot of watchmen don't want to be talked to because they don't have any answers. Amen. They don't have the answer to the individual that can't sleep nights. They don't have the answer to the home that's devoured and destroyed. They don't have the answer to the sorry and cry of the world. And so they're actually saying, leave me alone while he picks the flesh from your bones. But the true watchman is actually saying, it's all right. Come on and inquire of me any time you get ready. I'll have the answer for you. I will assure you. And everything's all right, and it's not. I'm going to let you know. But he's telling them, now that you're calling me, it's dark now. It's a dark time. It's a dark day for the church. When you really look at it, it's a good time. But still, it's a dark day. It's a dark day because the body is disjointed, dislocated. It's not together. And that's what makes it dark. But that watchman is saying, it's dark now. It's a fearful time. I understand why you're fearful. Then he adds something else. As he said, but the morning cometh. 
Hallelujah. But the morning cometh. Hallelujah. The morning coming, saints. Daylight is about to break. And everything that has bowed us down and bowed us low and picked us dry and left us there, friend, that's almost over. That daybreak is coming, the light is shining through, and God's church is going to stand up like a mighty army and move for this land greater than it's ever been moved before. And it's got to have ears to hear and hearts to understand, souls that care. Ezekiel's boneyard. The message is being sounded. This is not the way it's going to be all the time. Hallelujah. We sit in sorrow now. It's night. Hearts are broken. Minds are confused. I don't know which way to turn because the body is not operating in perfection. Amen. That's why we can't solve the problem because it's not together. We do the best we can with the limited efforts that we have. It's dark. Our loved ones are out in sin. We prayed and we cried. Doesn't seem to be any change. It's dark. It's dark. Can't see too far. You don't know. The watchman saying, "Daybreak soon. Morning's coming." Hallelujah. That thing which seemed to hold those prayers, and that precious, precious smell. Reaching the nostrils of Almighty God, those prayers burst at the seams. Those things you cried for all that time comes into the ears of God. God's body comes together. Holy Spirit comes down with a fresh anointing and a fresh power. Souls are saved. Lives that's confused and not confused anymore. Families that divided is not divided anymore. And sinners, it's crying. And see where to come to. Simply because, to begin with, it all starts from right here. It all starts from here. Then it goes from here down to there, to the leadership of the church. And then it goes to the saint. That's why I say, and forgive me, I don't mean to tromp on your boot, but I only can tell you how I feel. That's the reason I say, that if we occupy a place of leadership in the house of God, it's our responsibility to be here or to move hell to get here. It's important. And if we cannot some way or somehow do this, all this times when you'll not be able to, I know that. There's times when we can and won't. And if we cannot do this, 
We have no business sharing part of the leadership. We have no business teaching a Sunday school class, trying to tell people to be faithful when we ourselves are not faithful. We have no business filling an office of any type till we can show faithfulness to Almighty God. That's the first step of bone coming to bone, is accepting our responsibilities and standing in them. And don't forget you're going to get shot at. You just do any little thing, and you're going to get shot at. What was it one of the presidents said, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Praise the Lord. I've had 32 years of being shot at, and my body's riddled with holes. Amen. And I'm calloused. I was hit on. I've had my toes stomped. I've been literally slapped. And I would have been beat up, I suppose, if my, my size hadn't scared them. It wasn't that I was so mean, it's just my size scares some people. I thank God for that. I'm glad he made me big. I'm glad he made me big and ugly. <laughs> And that way they, they don't dare do a lot of things that they would maybe do and maybe could. All right, I quit preaching and started meddling. And I know I did because it got awfully quiet. I'm trying to help you. Amen, I am. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm not trying to cut you down. I'm not trying to tell you that you've never had anything and never will. I'm just trying to get you to see what goes with responsibility? And that's faithfulness to God. And once we share that, and it's got to start, faithful in prayer, faithful in giving of our time, our energy, as well as our money. And then all of this rubs off on the congregation. Oh, they may honk a few times. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Yeah, they just may honk because they don't get what they want, but it still rubs off. Because whether they like it or not, they see you faithful to God and what God is doing. Amen. Maybe I better quit. <laughs>